Good morning, everybody. September 22nd. Can you hear the somber tone in my voice? Do we know what September 22nd is? It's According to what I was reading and how it makes sense to me, I believe today, September 22nd, is the official last day of summer. With the first day of fall being the 23rd, I don't think they can both fall on the same day, so whether I'm right or wrong, summer's coming to an end, and with the weather we've had, I know it feels like it may have ended a, a couple days ago. But September 22nd can also be an awesome day, since the change in tone here. Anybody have a birthday today or uh, an anniversary? And if not, that's okay. I think Mandy's daughter Kaylee has a birthday today, so happy birthday to you. September 22nd is quite, a, quite an awesome day in, in my family. See, four months ago exactly, our son Fraser was born. So it's a small milestone. We're, we're not weird and celebrate like six-month birthdays or anything like that. But, but as a baby, it's still kind of neat. So four months ago, he came here. And it's been, been quick, at times a painfully slow ride when the tough times are there, but it's been awesome and it's been, it's been a great blessing. For my wife Ashley, September 22nd, wow, what a day for her, let me tell you. I'll tell you a little bit about it. Four years ago today, her dreams came true, September 22nd. In the evening of September 22nd, that is when I asked Ashley to be my girlfriend, to be my lady, and I mean, wow, lucky girl. A lot of other jealous ladies out there, I'm sure, but I mean, and for me, that, that in all truth, was, was a day when I received one of the biggest blessings in my life. And something else I learned that day, September 22nd, that unbeknownst to me at the time, I was entering into what will be a lifetime of service, of servitude in, in providing for my family. And there's nothing, nothing negative about that. Sometimes we take the word service and, and we think of it as, as work and as labor, and it's kind of, oh, we don't want to do that. It's, it's thought of as negative, and, and that is not at all the case here. And, and service is really what I want our lesson to be on today and what I want us to look at in this text. So first, and you can see the title here, Occupation Christian. And we're going to look at the text in Colossians 1, 24 to the second chapter in verse 5. Who of you before, or who here, has been to, or maybe even set up and done an orientation. If you work for, for a bigger company, probably, chances are that you've had to sit through a half day or a full day of getting to know what that company's all about, what they expect of you, their values, how it looks to be a member of that company. Now, I've been through lots of orientations. See, growing up, I think th from high school to college in there, I think I probably worked like 16 jobs or more. 16 might be a low number. I wasn't the best employee at times. If I didn't like a job, you know, chances are I had my eight-hour shift there, and there was times where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just not going to come back the next day. Not, not the best example to set, but I went through more than one orientation, and so practically even some of them I was mouthing the words along because I've sat through so many, and they're all kind of similar. But that's what we're going to go through today. Uh, this lesson is not going to be a beautifully structured three-point intro, three-points conclusion. It's, it's kind of just going to go through an orientation of what it looks like to be a servant and, and in our job of being Christians. And, and this text here is really all about Paul's ministry. And so he's providing a great example for us through that. First question, why are we here and what is our job title? This is kind of going to work as a, as a bit of a recap to the previous lesson we had on this. 
for those of you who weren't here last time I spoke, this is going to be quite confusing to you seeing this CLR cleaning agent up here. But it was a big point and a big part of the lesson last time because we used those letters, CLR, to really describe who Christ is to us. And he is the reason that we're in this business. He's the reason that, that it's even possible that this job was created for us here. Do you remember what the C stands for? I'll help you out there. It stood for Creator. That's why we have this opportunity to be servants, is because we are created by God, and God created everything. And Jesus was the one who was there at the beginning with God creating. Secondly, it's not Lime, it's Lord. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our boss in this job that we're doing. And lastly, He is our reconciler. Again, He has made it possible for us to get into this life of servitude because He knocked down the barrier of sin and made us eligible. This is the last little bit of text that we looked at last time. I'm just going to go through it again. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Just in this text alone, it's, it's got a great look at, at past, present, and future. He says, although you were formerly alienated, and, and to remember that Paul is talking to, to Gentile Christians. That is what the church at Colossae was primarily made up of. And he's saying that although you were formerly alienated, I think we can see the comparison in that we were formerly alienated from God as well. As Ray said at the table here, we're all guilty, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we're all on that side. We were all at one point, whether we like it or not, enemies of God. But then comes Christ, and we, we looked at what he can do, that he has now reconciled us. This is, this is the present, we are reconciled. And if you see the last word that I have highlighted down there, it is the word continue, and, and that is a word that, that looks forward and presses on to the, to the future. That is the plan, this journey that we continue on. This look of, of being justified, sanctified, and then eventually glorified. It is all about persevering, which we'll see a little bit more now. You see at the bottom of that text there that Paul was, was made a minister of this hope of the gospel. What does it take to be a minister? Does, does one have to go through years of seminary school and, and study and pass a certain test to be called a minister? Well, I don't think so. I mean, the command is that we all go out there and spread the gospel, right? Not just a select few. See, the word ministering really just means to tend to someone or something. Like a shepherd tends to the sheep. And so it is our job and our job title to be out there spreading the gospel. We're a representative of Christ. That could be our job title. We're to lead others to salvation and display the Christian life. That is the best way to do it. And that is really a big part of this lesson here is that Paul is the one, he's demonstrating it. He wants us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Have you ever heard the saying, someone who's, who's really in, in good shape and, and, and strong, maybe someone like myself, they'll say, oh, that guy's built like a linebacker or he's built like a football player. Maybe you've heard that saying. What does it mean to be built like a Christian? Maybe, maybe that example is not the best because we're comparing physical 
and spiritual here. But what does that mean to be a representative of Christ? I think we can agree that as Christians we need to uphold a certain standard. We need to conduct ourselves in a certain way. That's important to be a light in this world. And Paul here during, throughout this text, is he's encouraging others to follow his example of service. Our next question on our orientation list, is this job easy? You get a lot of resumes if you have an easy, an easy job position open up, don't you? Who doesn't want an easy job? Grueling labor and easy work, which stack is going to have more resumes in it? Probably the easy job. But being a Christian is definitely, definitely not an easy job. We know this. Paul says, in our, starting our text for today, Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Sufferings. It's even plural. It's not just one. That doesn't sound pretty good. That doesn't sound good to me. I mean, if I'm in the process of extending my resume out to you and I hear there's going to be sufferings, yeah, you know, my arm is inched back, getting Tyrannosaurus arms a bit coming back because sufferings, that, I don't know if I want to really be a part of that. And Paul wasn't surprised in Acts 9.16 when Christ is talking about Paul. He says that, you know, I'm going to show him how he must suffer for my name. Jesus didn't trick Paul into this life of ministry. It was made known to him. If we jump a little forward in our text to the second chapter of Colossians, it begins, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have had on your behalf for all those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. If my arm's already back here with sufferings and now I hear struggle, I don't know if I want to apply for that job. That doesn't sound like like something that's going to be easy. And, and being a Christian is definitely not easy because that is when Satan was going to come at you, right? Satan's not worried about the ones that are already his. Why does he have to work hard on them? He's going to want to throw, throw his darts at those who are in opposition to him, who are enemies of him. And for all those who have put on Christ, you're an enemy of Satan. Which is exactly where you want to be. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy for you. See, in Paul's life alone... What do we see that happened throughout Scripture with him? He was shipwrecked. That's not funny. He's probably a little wet and damp there. But Paul's been, he's been stoned. He's been... Uh-oh. I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe Corey will help me out. But Paul, you know he's been stoned in the past. He's been, he's been flogged a few times. He's been thrown in jail. I mean... Currently, at this time, he is a prisoner while he's writing this. And in Rome is the general thought that that's where he's a prisoner. But he's technically suffering right now as he writes this letter to the Colossian Christians. But it's interesting. I didn't highlight it the first time, but we'll look at it now. Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Well, to rejoice during the hard times, that is truly something that is is hidden from most of us, and, and, and at times, even, like, hidden from me. When, it, when, something's, when it's all piling on you, you know, you don't feel really like rejoicing. You don't understand why. A little story. If, if you take a young kid, and, and most children have to get needles at some point, say, so a young kid has to go to the doctor, 
and get a needle and, and you, know, you know what? They're scared by that and it hurts them. And, and they don't understand why they need these needles. That, that it's going to be good for them and healthy for them. But the kid doesn't understand why at the time. And so when the needle pokes that young kid's arm and it hurts, where do they run? Well, they usually run to their mom or to their dad. And why is that? Is because the parent is the comforter of that child. And Paul no doubt would have had this in mind, who his comforter was while he was going through these struggles. He knew that Jesus and God, they were there for him. And they weren't going to leave him. And that is what allowed him to put one foot in front of the other during the hard times. For me, when I was a young guy going to kindergarten and grade one, I think maybe I was a bit of a mama's boy. Now, try and picture that. When you're looking at me up here now, I, I, there's no way you could see mama's boy, but try and picture that at the time where I didn't want to go to school. I didn't understand why I would have to. So really there'd be times where my grade one teacher, Mrs. Thiessen, and my mom would be on opposite sides, and I think I'd be stretched horizontal in the middle, and they'd be trying to pull me into the school I didn't want to go. I wanted the comfort of my mom. I didn't understand why. There's great value in knowing who has our back in this and that our boss always defends us. Paul was a man who was dedicated to his task. We stop back. He says he does his share, you know. He's pulling the load himself. He's not passing it off onto someone else. He's dedicated to those he's serving, which is the church. It's just a great demonstration of faithfulness. So what industry are we in? We've kind of discussed it a little bit already. That Yeah, we're in the service industry. That's what we're called to be in. The text continues. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That highlighted word, stewardship. Steward. What does that word mean? And looking that up, the word steward is, is a role of, of supervising, of, of taking care of. You see, on a ship or on an airplane, there are stewards and stewardesses. They don't likely own the plane or own the ship. But it's their job to care for it. They're committed to it. They're involved. And they're invested. Mark read this for us once already, and we're going to see it again yet here. But in 2 Timothy 2.15, a great verse. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Diligence. An interesting word. I often use, use stories that Dale has told me in the past, and maybe he's told you this one as well, and I'm a little hazy on some of the details, but I believe it was his high school or, or college basketball team and so before they would get ready to play the game, as most sports teams do, they huddle around and they get their hands in the middle and they go, three, two, one, Cougars, or, or whatever, right? But Dale's team, they would go, three, two, one, Spoudé. And that, that word Spoudé is off the word Spoudadzo in the Greek, which, which means to make an effort, to be prompt, be earnest, to give haste, to labor, which is basically the same as what be diligent means. It's having and showing care. It's being conscious about what you're doing. And so I always thought that, that that was an interesting word, and it's kind of kind of a funny word, but you know, you want someone to, to be invested in something, spude, you can say to them. Be diligent. This is a picture of 
the tallest player in the NHL. He is and has one of the hardest shot, slap shots in the league. He should be a two-time Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> Just take a second to get over that here. <laughs> but he is a great example of leadership, and, and that's what, exactly what, what Paul was. You know, He wasn't asking them to do something that he wouldn't do himself. He wasn't saying, do as I say and not as I do. See, with Mr. Zdeno Chara here, I believe it was in game four, or game five of the Stanley Cup Finals, that he took a puck to the face, and he didn't have the fishbowl on at the time. He just had the helmet. And so the puck broke his jaw, and everyone thought, okay, well, he's done. He's done for the playoffs. There's only a couple games left. But as I remember, he was back right the next game. He couldn't even respond to reporters because his jaw was broken. So he was writing out answers back to them to show them. And you've got to appreciate how hard and how much suffering he was going through, not being able to talk, not being able to eat. Those games take a lot out of a person. To not be able to nourish yourself, you would think that would have been enough energy and example for the Bruins to get it done, but they just didn't. But That's okay. What's important is the example here. I remember I told you guys a paintball story, how I don't like paintball at all, and it hurts. And so I like to be the general. I like to be in the back. And I like to flank the troops up the side, and, and I don't do much shooting or get shot at because I'm way in the back. But that is, troops on the front line are not going to respect someone as much as someone who's in the trenches with them there. Those are the guys that you want to go to war with, the guys that know what it's all about, that have your back. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Where it's underlined there, it says that it's for your benefit. So Paul wasn't doing it to further anything for himself. He was doing it for the benefit of others. Which is exactly what service means. See, Mr. Char there has got that C on his jersey for a reason. It's captain. Now Paul probably put a, could have put an A on his as assistant captain. Because Christ, Jesus, Jesus is the true captain. That's the example we're all following here. We're, we're talking a lot about Paul because he's talking about his ministry, but we've got to look further past that to the example that he's following here as well. What are we selling? What are we selling? Well, we're revealing something. And that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. See, our example helps reveal this mystery. And, and this mystery that, that Paul's talking about here is actually the mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. They are fellow partakers of the promise. And it's always been looked at in, in the past scriptures and texts. Uh, we, think of, we think of Acts 8 and the eunuch who was sitting there and reading, reading in Isaiah and he didn't quite understand it. So he got Philip to come there and explained to him. And he preached Jesus to him. And, and that is kind of the comparative of the mystery that the world can deal with today, is that not everybody knows Jesus. Christ is, and what he offers is a mystery to some. Some don't understand it. Some haven't even heard of it. And for those who are in Christ already, who, who are his saints, the holy ones, it is the same, it is the same word in the Greek, that, that this mystery has been revealed to us already. We have that insider info. See, 
Our hot water tank went right before we went on holidays. Great timing, of course, but things like that always seem to happen. And so it was a mystery to me as to how to diagnose what exactly was wrong with it, and even a greater mystery on how to fix it. And so I had to call someone with inside knowledge of that. And that was Rob. Very lucky to have him come and help me out. It was still quite costly, but it would have been a lot more costly had I tried to undertake that project myself. But you know, we have that insider knowledge. It is employees only. We understand the benefits of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're trying to sell to others. The great message and thing that we want to reveal behind the curtain here, I'm just going to read the whole text a little more in context, is that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested, been revealed to his saints. And that is, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And the great mystery is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is what we want to reveal to all. Is that Christ, he's your only hope. Our job description and our slogan. Paul in 1 Corinthians, beginning of chapter 4, writes, Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. That's, that's put down in nice, tidy one verse there. That's how we can sum up our job as Christians, how that looks. The poster that we got to have on our wall. This is the last time I'll show you this verse, but it's a good one to remember. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You know how some sports teams, when they're walking on their way to the arena, they'll have, they'll have words up on the wall like, hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard, or something like that, you know? Something, something inspiring to get them going right before they get out there. This is what we should have out there. Remind ourselves that we are to be workmen and not lazy, and that we do not need to be ashamed. And that we need to accurately handle and know God's word so that we can accurately handle it. Who's our target audience? Who's our clientele? Our text continues and it says, We proclaim him, which is Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. That sounds like a save everybody to me. It doesn't mean just every man. Let's not get all tied up in knots like we do nowadays, like with O Canada and change lyrics. It means humankind. Man, women, children. God wants them all saved. We know that. You know, the, the word ethnic, ethnos, it actually comes out of part of the word Gentile. And, and, and Gentile is just anybody that is non, was a member of the non-Jews. And in Genesis, it says that all nations would be blessed through Abraham. Not just some, not just the Hebrew nation, but all would be blessed. Back to this idea of, of, of not being ashamed and, 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 and presenting it to every man. I sometimes feel that, that we shy away from that, or we just think everyone else knows. You guys remember last week when Amir was here and shared his powerful testimony. Now, that's someone who's gone through a lot more suffering than we have. And he, he even said there's others that go through more than, than he did. Now, Amir's a good friend of mine, and, and I, I know lots about his story. And one thing that always struck me was that when he found out just exactly who Jesus was, that he wasn't just a prophet or a good man, that he was, in fact, 
the one and only son of God. Amir was up there in that dog park telling people about it. And he said people were looking at him kind of weird and funny. And, you know, a lot of us would kind of shy away in, in that instance and say, oh, I'm, I'm kind of embar- I'm embarrassed a bit or people are looking at me weird. But I think for us, those especially who, who've maybe been Christians for a long time, they're far along your walk or, or we've just known about the idea of, of, of Jesus for such a long time, that fire in us kind of dims a bit. It's not new and exciting to us anymore. Whereas it should be just the opposite, that that fire should be burning bright and, and we should always be fueling it. And just being that example in our service to others that, that shows the light that is Christ. At the same time, we might fail sometimes. It says in Corinthians, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Not everyone's going to share the same exuberance when they hear about it. But we're not to get discouraged, you see. What if we fail, or, or what if we're weak, and we stumble? And yes, those things will happen. Paul says in verse 29, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. See, we're selling power. And this idea of striving, it's the same equal idea to to competing in an arena, and, and competing in an arena back in the days like of the Colosseum and stuff where you've got to be working, you've got to be laboring in there because if you stop for one second, then you're likely dead and they'll drag you out and someone else will go in there and fight the lions or, or the gladiators. We're striving, we're laboring, as Paul says here. It's not easy, and there'll be times when we do, str- we do stumble and the suffering gets too much for us. But luckily, we have his power working within us. It's not on our own that we rely on. For when we are weak, he is strong, and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. See, our boss is always backing us up. He's always working. He's not taking a day off. There's a story, and I'm sure a lot of you have it in your homes. It's a beautiful story, actually. Footprints in the Sand. You guys know that one? where there's a human and God and they're walking on the beach and they're talking and they look back and you can see two sets of footprints and the human says to God God you know all the times when things were going good with me good easy times in life I seen both our footprints and we were going but then there was times times where I struggled times where I suffered my faith was weak times where I lost my job the time where I was in jail, when I look back behind me at those times, I only see my set of footprints. Where were you? When the times got tough, the tough got going. Is that what happened? You got going away from the situation? When I struggled, you left me? The person doesn't understand this. And it's a beautiful thought that at that time, it's almost an emotional thought, that that is when God carried you. And those are his footprints in the sand. Next, is there a pension? A little bit of a lighter topic, lighter subject. It's important to have a pension, I think. I mean, you don't have to have one, but it's a nice bonus for this job, is it not? The last little bit of text that we're going to look at today is, it says, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. This is what service looks like. 
encouraging others. That's all part of doing things out of love. Jesus says we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's an important thing. And when we love someone, that, that represents Christ perfectly. And that allows people to understand why we're doing what we're doing. We're revealing the mystery to them. And when you have a full assurance of understanding, you acquire more of this knowledge. And you notice he says true knowledge there. We haven't talked much of the context of this letter today, because I feel I did a lot of that in the past. Especially the, like the heresies that were, were conflicting with this young church here. And it says that, that these... Yeah, that these heresies were, were just infiltrating and, and that one of the ideas was a pre-Gnostic idea that knowledge was, was only attainable to a select few. That if you're lucky enough and do the right things, follow all these steps, that you will be able to get this knowledge. But for most of us, it's not available. Paul's saying here that there is a true knowledge and that we can have that. And full assurance, as Ray was talking about at the table today. We see the words in bold and highlighted there, wealth and treasures, and attaining to all wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, and that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Such valuable things. The Bible, especially the Old Testament, and, and in the Proverbs, talks about how valuable wisdom and knowledge are. And they are important to have. This job has the best pension. These, things are, these treasures are laid up where moth and rust or thieves, they, they don't get at it. And we will receive it. Don't work anywhere else. Focus yourselves on this good work here. Your treasures are up in heaven. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain, Sorry, that knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Keep pushing on when you go through struggles. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. You're doing important work here. We're going to be paid in full and more. And now this letter is, is to the Christians here. I'm not saying that we're doing this work to earn ourselves a better place in heaven or a place in heaven at all. Because we're already in Christ. It's already been done. You've accepted the gift at this time. But out of gratitude for that we should be a representative of Christ in a way that, that is making him, him proud showing our faith that way that's not just a lip service because ladies and gentlemen we got to answer the bell and this is a full time job this is full time work and that's important 24-7 365 and so to really sum it all up in a sentence we are to be willing servants who persevere through times of struggle, times of suffering. And by doing that, we help lead others to salvation, which is the goal. And it's something that, that I struggle with, is that going out into the world, it's this lesson here, I may be the one talking about it, but it's especially true and telling of something that I needed to hear, that encouragement that, that we don't just sit back and wait. But we make the difference ourselves and show love to others. To lead others to salvation, all of this is, is done through our servitude. That is how people see, see Christ in us. And remember, at this, throughout this entire time, you are empowered by God. God is carrying you all the time.